Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Hello, love to see you all. Thank you for coming. That's very nice. Welcome to Richard Herring Herring's. Not a good start, is I don't know my own name. Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rehef. Yeah, lots. It's getting very cool. It's really cool now. Uh, I don't know what number this is. All I know is there's ten left, including this one. I'm not. It's not that I'm counting down to go home. It is. It is that. It's that I'm counting down. How soon will this be over? Please let it end. Please. Um, I'm enjoying it. No, it's good. It's been a lot of fun. We've got a brilliant guest today. We're looking forward to talking to. Uh, I'm a bit sad today because I, yesterday someone emailed me. I, you know, I, I was talking about this the other day on the podcast. Like every year, I go to the Tempting Tatty or the Tempting Tatty because the eye's missing uh, on Jeffrey Street, which is my favourite potato baked potato shop. I haven't been this year because we've got an arger in our flat, and I've been making my own baked potatoes. I've been feeling feeling guilty about it. Uh, but um, someone went to the Tempting Tat yesterday. I'm gonna, I am going to go in next week, but the, apparently it's going to close down in two weeks. Or well, the guy who's run it for 20-odd years is, is leaving. So I'm very, very, very unhappy. And I kind of think that, uh, you know, maybe Tempting Tat is like the ravens in the Tower of London. I think if the Tempting Tat <laughs> is not here, Edinburgh may crumble and fall. So I think you should petition, anyone, any locals should petition uh, the council to... Keep it going and get make the man uh, Ian Tatty. He's called. Uh, <laughs> it's all about him. Every time you buy a potato, he opens up and it's his cock and it's coming up through the bottom of the box. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, he's called David. Uh, but um, <laughs> but um, go and go. You've got like two weeks to go to the tempting Tatty. Uh, if you want a Richard Herring, that's a medium sized. Jack potato with cheese and mango chutney. It's all orange. Orange all the way through. <laughs> I was born on the 12th of July as well, so it's kind of... Uh, uh <laughs> it's apt. Uh, though I don't support the... Uh, either, you know, I don't, I'm not going to take sides. I support both the Protestants and the Catholics. And <laughs> I wa- I, when they're fighting, I just want them to have a good fight. That's what I, that's what I just wanted. I don't mind who wins. <laughs> um, orange was my favourite colour when I was a kid as well. This is not looking good. Uh, but I was thinking about that this morning. It was my favourite colour, but I think it's only because I liked orange fruit pastels the best, and that was my choice of colour. And then even then, I think, really, I preferred the blackcurrant ones in the end. And then I stayed loyal to orange. You know what you do when you're a kid? It's weird, isn't it? Can I, I'm going to pretend I prefer the orange one still, <laughs> even though I prefer the purple ones. OK, I'm just wittering. That's fine. Uh, and um, So go to the Tempting Tat. You have, if you ask for a Richard Herring, you probably won't know what you're talking about. So you'll have to say, can I have a Richard Herring, by which I mean. Um, <laughs> it's just a longer way of asking for. You can have whatever you want. They've got a variety, probably up to seven different fillings they've got. And that's not including the cock one, which. Uh, and um, I had another dream. I had a dream last night. I was going to. Yesterday I was thinking I had a dream. But I keep on having. I've now got a new recurring dream. My old recurring dream used to be that I was doing my maths A levels again. Because I, I was good at maths when I was a kid. And now I'm terrible. I don't know anything about maths anymore. Um, and. Um, it would be, and it's like I'm now, and I have to go back and sit my A-level maths, and I'm going, but I can't, I know I'm f- 44 years old. I can't, why am I having to do my A-levels again? I don't know if I want to go to university now. I've got quite a good career as a comedian. I have to, so I have, I have all this thinking about whether whether I want to go to university or not. It's really bizarre. But that's been replaced now by my celebrity mastermind nightmare that I now have on a regular, <laughs> which is really fucking annoying. I did celebrity mastermind last year and, uh, and just got beaten, got pipped at the end, and it was very frustrating. 
frustrating. Uh, I got 35 points. Yeah, uh, yeah. You should look. You should look impressed because it was up to that point the highest score ever in Celebrity Mastermind, and then the next woman come along got 36. So uh, that's that's not the point. Uh, but I, last, last night I dreamt that uh, I was doing Celebrity Mastermind. I've had it twice in the, in the last month. The first time I dreamt I was, uh, oh, what was it? I was uh, my special subject was the Kids from Fame TV series, <laughs> which I don't know very much about. <laughs> and I was kind of desperately trying to look through Wikipedia and learn things <laughs> as I was going in. Go, why did I choose this subject? I don't know anything about. And uh, last uh, last night it was the music of Debussy, the uh, classical, <laughs> which again I don't know anything about. And all I I was hoping that I hope they ask what his middle name was because I know that from the Monty Python song <laughs> uh, "Decomposing Composers," uh, George Aki or Debussy. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, and I think I'd, I'd learnt his. Uh, but I wonder if this is right. I, I can uh, let me see if I can remember what it was in the dream. I think I, I had him born in 1865 and died in. 1905. Anyone know? Uh, but uh, that was it. that's the dream. If it comes up in a in a pub quiz, don't rely on that uh, information. So, but that's really frustrating to have that. That's going to be haunting me forever. It was a very psychologically damaging thing. And they don't. And if you're on the Jeremy Carr show, they have like a bloke, a therapist afterwards. If you've been arguing and upset, they have a therapist who takes you down on Celebrity Mastermind, just thrown out into the street. <laughs> oh, fuck off. We've had you. You imagine, it's the most traumatic thing I have ever been through. It's like a week of fucking horrible trauma, and I was the fucking best in it, and it's not fair. I, did, I worked really hard. Antiques was a job! That doesn't count! Junk food's the same as fast food. I'll, I'll let it go. And uh, I, I've, I've been getting good reviews. We've had quite good reviews, reviews for this show, uh, and uh, t two or three, and uh, good reviews for What Is Love Anyway, and I was kind of thinking, oh, this is all going pretty well. Uh, and then uh, last night I found I've got a two-star review in Informed Edinburgh, which I think is the main... The problem these days is there's now so many uh, websites that can just set themselves up as being... It's, it's very easy now. To, I remember talking to him the other day about Daniel Kitson getting one, two, three, four, five stars for the same show in different publications. That was quite a long time ago. And there weren't that many different publications then, so that was quite impressive. But now there's so many things on the internet that I've got two, three, four, five, so I'm just holding out for the one star. <laughs> but apparently apparently Scott Capuro has done it this year. My sources backstage, Matt Green, tell me that Scott Capuro has done that. But he's a kind of divisive actor, and you can understand that some people would hate him and some people would love him. Uh, so it's kind of, I think it was impressive that Kitson managed to get a one-star review. I, mean, I think it's actually more impressive that he got a two-star review. <laughs> so someone watched Daniel Kitson went, yeah, it's all right, but it's not that good. It's below average. <laughs> I can understand you hating him, right? Going, I'm going to deliberately hate Ma uh, Daniel Kitson because he's the best person in the world. We go, no, he's all right. That's the, that's the most damning. The two-star, in a way, is the most damning, <laughs> damning thing. But it's kind of amazing to see someone writing about something that everyone else has been going, oh, this is great. I love the bit with the grandma and I love the bit with the Ferrero Rocher. And him just going, he does a, he does a oh, what was the word he used? Oh, I can't remember. But it's, he used this very kind of poncy word to say I was going on and on about Ferrero Rocher chocolates. And a 15-minute routine about his grandma, which everyone else would say, that's made me cry. But he's going, 50, it was 15 minutes long. <laughs> that is what is wrong with it. So uh, I'll just say this is a little service to, uh, other acts out there that don't worry don't worry I am brilliant and uh, so <laughs> that two star review is wrong so if you get a two star review don't necessarily it is wrong it's not a matter of opinion it's wrong uh, <laughs> uh, but you know I think I think you, if you're a comedian I think if everyone loves you if, if you if everyone thinks you're brilliant you're doing something wrong that is my you've got to got to piss someone off uh, and nearly all of them do uh, anyway look we, uh, we we should move on god is that all we've done is that only eight, eight minutes I uh, hope uh, <laughs> I felt like I'd talk for ages. <laughs> I could, uh, 
Good talk. How are you, how are you doing down there, fellas? Some cheeky lads down there. You all together? You, you two together? No? You're not friends? Friend, you're friends. I mean, I'm not saying to you. <laughs> Is it your first date? Are you hoping to get together? You see, he's moved. He's kind of le- one of them is lent away from the other, just to kind of. He's not that bad looking. You, you, I mean, you should take a look in the mirror, mate. You, you, if you could end up with someone like that, you'd be doing very well for yourself. Have you got girlfriends? You've got to go see exactly. See, he's a bit chubby, but you know, you've got a bit of a wonky face, so you know, get in there. And you got both got glasses, so you know that's. Uh, you haven't got a wonky face. I got. <laughs> when you're leaning away from him, you do a little bit. Uh, so, uh, what, what, what's your name, sir? Kevin. Kevin, what do you do for a living? Uh, you work in insurance. <laughs> it's not very interesting, is it? What do you, what do, you do? What do? How's it going for you with the insurance? What, how did the London riots uh, affect the business? Uh, we did a lot of boarding. You did a lot of boarding up? Yeah. yeah. That's not really insurance. So, well, you're, you're, the guy, you're the guy who goes down and boards up broken windows. I work in insurance in a way. I mean, they, they don't ask me to do it. I just go and do it of my own volition. I hope if I do a good enough job, they might employ me. Uh, what do you, what do you, what's your name? Uh, Dave. D- Dave? What do you do for a living, Dave? An You're an accountant. Fucking hell, how did I pick so <laughs> how did you? How did you two become friends? It's amazing. <laughs> an accountant and insurance. Hey. Well, I'm a bit racy for you. I'm a bit too interesting for you in the can. He's, he's, he's winning all the way, isn't he? He's just one step ahead. He's got a girlfriend, s- a slightly less boring job. <laughs> Good. Well, you, you filled some time up there for me. Thank you, fellas. So uh, this, uh, this uh, late stage of the Fringe is going to get more and more talking to the audiences because actually nothing is happening to me. I'm asleep all day. Uh, having a wank and uh, doing my shows. That's about it. And I don't want to talk to you about the wanking. Well, I did. did. That was during the Celebrity Mastermind uh, dream. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, it's time to welcome our guest. He's been on. It's a a return. He's been before because he came and did the stand-up slot when I'd forgotten to book someone and he lives nearby. (laughs) Uh, But uh, he's too good just to... That's that's offensive to Matt Green who's just doing the stand-up... Simon Munnery is too good just to do the stand-up slot, unlike Matt Green who's coming on later to do the stand-up slot. (laughs) Um, I didn't mean it like that, but let's say I did. Uh, I, no, he's, uh, but he's, he is really another Edinburgh legend. Uh, come up millions of times, to, and we'll find out how many. Will you please welcome the incredible, bow down and worship, Simon Munnery, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Simon Munnery. Here he is. Simon Munnery. How are you doing, Simon Munnery? Uh, pretty good, a little tired. Are you tired? A little tired. I'm feeling quite perky today. Oh yeah, yeah. coffee? I haven't had a coffee. Maybe that's, maybe that's the way I've been going wrong. No, yeah. I've had coffee. In fact, before the show, because I'm always feeling a bit tired before the second show, I have a double espresso and a bar of chocolate to try and make me... It's my version of cocaine. Yeah. It's, how I, it's my homemade it, it, cocaine. It's a drug. <laughs> it is. I heard, uh, we were on tour once and uh, we heard Billy Connolly never drinks coffee except before he goes on stage and he has a double espresso right. and goes off like a rocket. And we'd been on tour for two weeks and were exhausted and uh, run out of drugs. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and we were in the dressing room and there was this jar of coffee. They said, well, well, let's have it. Let's drink the lot. So we, uh, we, we boiled up a whole jar of Nescafe, uh, and it was like it was in pint glasses. It was like soup, uh, and, and we whacked it back. We needed a lot of water to get it down. We got it down, and we went off like rockets. It was amazing. And <laughs> we came, came off, and it was a, it was a Sunday night in Preston. 
uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, we, we asked, so is there, is there anywhere to go out to? I said, no, everything's closed now. It's a Sunday night <laughs> in, in Preston. Preston. You're in Preston. <laughs> and, uh, so then we went, and we, was, we weren't even in a B&B. We were in um, rooms attached to this college. Uh, which was just, it was a, a bare bulb, a sink and a bed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no television. We'd read our reading books. We'd run out of conversation. We just spent all night uh, lying sort of in, in beds and in rooms next to each other, uh, hoping to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's awful. I, I never, I didn't drink coffee for years after that. <laughs> You're not really meant really to drink it in that volume, in, well, in that, in that concentration. It, it, we should yeah. try it. We oh, really? It yeah, <laughs> that, I'm glad I've pointed out to you that now, too late. That's incredible that you did that. So, uh, yeah, so what's, what's, what's the show? How many Edinburgh's have you done? 24. 24. This is, this is the first time in Top Trumps I have been defeated. <laughs> I'll have to find a different category <laughs> to try and beat. 24. So you, because you came up first of all was with uh, God and Jesus. Was that no, the first? No, I came up before that in a, a review show called Jane Austen, Astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go down? Well, surprisingly, very, very badly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was, my, my bits were all right, but it was, uh, there was sketches in it. And it was also, they were, they were doing a play, it was a like, little theatre company, and they'd also doing a, we went up in a van, all sort of rolling around the back with the props, and they were doing a version of Zola's Germinal. And when I was drunk on the first night, he persuaded me to be in it as the policeman uh, for the mime scene. <laughs> well, not, not just the policeman, sorry, the police. I played all of the police. <laughs> <laughs> and, and during a sort of uh, strobe <laughs> effect, I had to walk on slowly, dressed in black with no shoes. It was that sort of production. Yeah. And, uh, and sort of mime doing that, and they all sort of fell about. Uh, but, you know, I didn't have any black clothes, and uh, I never <laughs> bothered getting any, and sometimes I didn't turn up. <laughs> I was also meant to op operate the follow spot, you know, and I used to fall asleep and it was sort of swing up. Was, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, does, the fringe doesn't count if you didn't turn up. That can't count as one of your <laughs> fringes. If you well, I didn't always turn up. I uh, <laughs> to discovered that ladies <laughs> yeah, um, nice. that year. Uh, but the, uh, yeah. So but how old were you then when you discovered I ladies? I was 19. 19, when I that's them. good. That's about the same yeah, age as I was. Uh, well. I discovered them. I just didn't, hadn't worked out how what, to... What? To get in one. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't have them. It was like a secret city. And I, then I discovered the map that got me in. You need to press a certain little button at the side. And, away oh. you do. Uh, uh, and then it opens up uh, the wall. So I'm on a city analogy. Uh, so, uh, but you, uh, you did a double act. Because weirdly, right, co yes. coincident coincidentally with you and me, is that you did a double act with Steve Cheek. That's right. Who I was at school with. And who I did my first comedy sketches ever with, with uh, in little school with a few friends at school including Steve Cheek so that's kind that's of right, an amazing we were a double act called God and Jesus yes the most offensive name we could think of at the time <laughs> still up there uh, God and uh, good evening my name's God, oh no, good evening, hello I'm God this is my brother Jesus uh, tricky one that you'll have to think about it <laughs> and then you go I've just had my second coming it was like that. <laughs> uh, we did. We did have some really. Uh, well, we remember we used to sit around trying to think of the most offensive jokes we could think of. Yeah. And there was this one joke which is uh, passed around and came back to me. I was in a cab once. Some bloke told me my own joke. <laughs> uh, and he'd won a joke competition in New York with it. Right. <laughs> uh, maybe you've heard it. But what anyways, uh, I didn't create it. It was four of us sitting around: Connell Orton, Nick Hedges. Steve Cheek and me, and uh, making a, trying to make ourselves be sick. <laughs> anyway, the joke is, uh, what do you get if you put a baby in a liquidizer? An erection. Had <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone heard that before? <laughs> yeah, obviously, you don't want to hear it again. <laughs> 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 
So, which we could be. Would you do an act called Mohammed and Allah? And then that's with the question that I would be asked when I've I was on. I've grown a little wiser. <laughs> <laughs> that would be more contentious. Mohammed and Allah. Yeah. 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 In that, that's the billing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think it should be Allah and Mohammed. <laughs> Maybe. I'm not very clear on how it all works. You know, it's just. Yeah. Pretty nonsense. It's all nonsense. That Islam, right? They're all. They're You've all. That sort. That's not going to go anywhere, is it? That microphone. This one. No, yeah. I've got it. I've got it. I'm holding on to it. <laughs> That's what I was saying this yesterday. Yeah. This You're is expecting a bit like, high wind. This is a bit like <laughs> when I did Christ on a bike the first time. I I had uh, I had a I had a mic on a stand which wasn't on and a and a oh, radio right. mic and then I just used this as a baton de commandement basically. You're to, right. To, uh, <laughs> to hold, to hold wind or something. Baton de commandement. Yeah. It's what uh, cavemen had to uh, signify that they were the leader. Oh. Like a bone or something. A bone. Yeah. Baton de commandement. Command. Oh, you're an you're an educated man. You should yeah. know that. Baton is ba- stick. Yeah. De of de of commandement. Command, oh, commandment. Yes. Come on, uh, okay. well, that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it is. That's, you know, I don't Come know. More, more. More, 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 more. You were a, you were a boy genius, though, weren't you? And didn't you? Yes, you I gave that up. You were did amazingly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you grew grew out of I it. Grew out of it. <laughs> you were, but didn't you get like the best A level results in the country? Yeah. For something like that. Well, yeah, I did. Oh, I, don't know. I did yes, apparently. <laughs> And what, how do, why have you ended up being a comedian rather than working in, some, you know, using your qualifications? When I was a kid, when I did my first radio show, my granddad, who'd been very supportive of me, um, gathered around the radio with all of his friends. He, he gathered around the radio. With all of his friends. He was like 90 years old and they oh. listened to it. And oh. then one of his friends said, what a waste of a good education. So do you feel? Uh, do you ever feel that about comedy that you should have gone a different way, or yeah? Yeah, sometimes when I yeah. uh, look at me pitiful wages, <laughs> uh, it would be nice to be uh, earn more. But uh, you know, I, I, I love what I do. Yeah. Still, uh, don't really regret that. I really went off science when I was at college. I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. And then uh, it was just sitting in a vast lecture hall with a, like two thousand students with their notepads pads out. It was in the days of paper. Um, <laughs> writing down what the lecturer the lecturer was just was reading from his notes and writing on an overhead projection we all and I thought why well, can you just photocopy it what is this <laughs> and uh, I really went off science and stopped studying it and went, went a little bit mad when I was at uh, college and then yeah. um, uh, started doing stand up did it. you get did you get your degree did you get a good degree? I got a third did you yeah that's my my brother's very similar my brother was I think like if you're because you, you're very he's very very brainy but then he kind of oh. you lose you kind of get disenchanted with it all and then Burn kind of out, and then sort of decide my brother decided if you, you either get a first or a third and Did anything he? in between so if he couldn't get a first on the paper he would walk out Claim so he got, he got a first on loads of the papers but then because he walked out of some of them he ended up getting a third which is that that's a that's a tip for any students <laughs> stay just stay in and have a go <laughs> have a go who would have got a first if he'd done that a friend of mine Al Hutchins used to um, during his English exams I think he, he failed his English exams, <laughs> he'd find himself writing if he found himself writing in a Melvin Bragg kind of tone <laughs> he would break off change pen <laughs> and write Melvin you are not needed <laughs> <laughs> close brackets carry on and then, like on another day, in another exam, said, Melvin, we have told you before. <laughs> so, anyway, he's, he managed to fail, which I think is he failed. <laughs> and is he hard. allowed out into the community? Is it? Yeah. He was failed and was locked away. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, but you've, I mean, you've been at the, the 
forefront of like loads of experimental comedy throughout the and I think like interestingly like we did a show called uh, the Dumb Show. <laughs> In 1992, I believe it was, uh, yes, yeah. and uh, which was you and me and Stuart Lee and Steve Coogan and uh, Patrick Mar. Probably the what happened to them? The greatest. Hard <laughs> to know. The greatest comedians. The greatest comedians of their generation and Patrick Marber. Oh. It was so. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's over. It's over. <laughs> It's, uh, that kind of ne- that's unbelievably never went anywhere, and you've done and you but you've been you know you did Club Zarathustra. Well, we didn't get on with it. We might we could talk about it, but you did Club Zarathustra uh, subsequently, which was like this amazingly uh, groundbreaking comedy thing of kind of avant-garde, really, wasn't it? And uh, yep. and it got a t- got a TV pilot, and then yeah. didn't get didn't get didn't get a series. Yeah. So do you ever feel kind of bitter about the lack of the the way that you've come up with all these amazing things, and then? They've kind of stultified, and other people like Patrick Marvel have gone on to be uh, Hollywood screenwriters. And no, no, don't really, don't feel. I've got, I've got time to be bitter. No. I've got, uh, but someone like Jerry Sadovitz, it does seem quite it, bitter about it. Someone like Stuart Lee did seem act. quite. It's Stuart Lee did seem quite bitter about it until he started getting on TV, and now he's confused about how to it respond. Is, it's <laughs> 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 he has to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's been hoisted by his own batard yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't expect yeah. that to work. But, yeah. you know, I think you are, you're, surely you are. Sure, the, entitled surely to you're the greatest comedian of our generation, really. Surely, yeah. Surely you are. So, you know, it's kind of it's a weird thing the way it works out. Knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> it's not all innovative. <laughs> <laughs> I'll carry on if you like. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So what? How do you have any good memories of doing clubs Zarathustra in Edinburgh? And yeah, I have great memories. Memories. One of my best journeys up here was in a, a Robin Reliant, uh, and we started out at four o'clock in the afternoon, and got here just after dawn. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're coming out of Highbury Corner at the traffic lights. So this man, way you know, wound down his window went. So I, I went to my window. I thought he wanted to tell me something. He just put out his arm and rocked it. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was me and uh, Richard Thomas. The, yeah. Uh, uh, he wrote Joe Spring the, the Opera. opera. Uh, and we, we were dri- driving up. And it was a uh, terrible condition, the um, Robin Wright. We used to pull in at every petrol station. It would start overheating. But it was like a go-kart. There was a hole in the bottom. You could see the road. <laughs> and any car or lorry went past you, you were, and it could do 50, but you didn't want to do that. <laughs> 40 was, and, we, and it would start overheating, so you have to pull in, but then it would never start when it was hot. So you'd fill it up with petrol, and then we'd have to push it out of the, <laughs> out of the petrol bit and wait for an hour. <laughs> when we finally got here at dawn, um, it felt like the, the window had fallen out just past um, Newcastle. You know, that, and so that, that ha came in. It was there was fog in the in the. <laughs> it, it, it felt heroic. It was absolutely. <laughs> we got there. and We finally thought, oh yeah, and we um, we went round to someone who had the, the keys to the flat we were staying in. And we went round with the keys and opened the door, and the safety chain was on. This woman said, "What do you want? You're not meant to be in here till 11." <laughs> so we had, we had three hours to kill. We said, oh, let's go up Arthur's seat. So we drove up Arthur's seat, and it was whistling like a kettle, uh, the, the, the radiator. And, and we, we came down from there. And then uh, the whole idea of it was it was going to be pulled on by ropes. And we spray-painted gold. And uh, I was going to be standing on top of it. And it would be pulled on <laughs> by the, the uh, other members of the cast. It was too wide to fit through the door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Did you go back home in it again? Or did I did. You, did, I did. You? That was even worse. It was a typhoon. <laughs> we, we, we had to pull in and stay in a hotel. <laughs> you should, that's like the, the, the journey is the show. It would have been good if you'd arrived after the Edinburgh finished <laughs> <laughs> and charged one person to sit in the back. And that was the, the show. It was the incredible that's journey. That's an idea. Yeah. Have you still got the car? No, I've got rid of it. Imagine what Sadly. you could have done. Imagine you could have auctioned that off for yeah. charity. Made literally dozens of pounds. Uh, <laughs> what's the show about this year? About how long? Um, it's, it's, uh, it's called Hats Off to the 101ers and Other Material. Um, the, uh, the typeface is wrong. It should be Other Material and Hats Off to the 101ers. Um, it's, uh, Hats Off to the 101ers bit is a uh, uh, punk rock musical about the R101 airship disaster, which is about seven minutes long. And uh, the rest of the show is a relief from that. <laughs> So, yes, I got quite interested in the R101 airship disaster yeah. of 1930 because I, I live near Bedford. Okay, I don't, yeah. know about that, I don't know about that one. That's not well, the, that's not about that's about oh, the humanity. That's a different we did one. have um, uh, an airship programme in Britain from 1924 to 1930 when it, when it ended. How, why did we come to have airships? Because uh, the Germans had them uh, the, uh, in the Second World War, First World War, 1909, in fact, um, the Zeppelins were flying about. And um, just coming up to the First World War, when everyone was getting excited, and thought, we better get a better arm. <laughs> oh, there's going to be a war. Everyone was really excited about it. There were really people were looking forward to it. They thought, well, the Germans have got these Zeppelins, uh, these massive airships, so maybe we should get one. So uh, the Br British government tried to order one off the Zeppelin company. The Zeppelin company was very pleased, because uh, the German high command didn't think much of them and had decided not to order anymore. But because we all tried to order one, they then decided they'd better build seven <laughs> to, to prevent us having one. And, and then they, in the First World War, they were, it was overestimated how much effect they had. It was thought um, that they helped in the Battle of Jutland to help the German fleet escape. But they didn't. They just escaped because it was misty. <laughs> uh, but after the First World War, people thought, well, we'd better get ourselves some sort of Zeppelin. Uh, so we started building them, and then we cancelled the programme, and then we had another go, and then we cancelled it again, and we built some, and they crashed. And then we built bigger ones, and uh, eventually we ended up with the R R100 and the R101. And uh, they were massive. They were designed to be luxurious ships to fly all the way to India, to link up the empire. And um, anyway, it crashed. <laughs> <laughs> gone too long about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's, a bit a it's a bit of a hack subject, though. A, a, lot, of, a lot of comedians yeah. are doing the old... Peter Kay. Uh, 101. Peter Stuff Kay, he's got year. his Zeppelin 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen there's a big, you know, the Scotsman, big article about all the airship-based comedians. Yeah. Yeah. This there year. is who someone telling me, Sammy J. Someone has got, oh, really? a, has got something about um, an airship, an Italian airship that crashed. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't got much about it. So <laughs> <laughs> was I, that it? Have we, have we heard that bit? No, I, I, no, I, 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 I know loads stuff. about it. I just um, yeah. haven't found a way of making it any way amusing. <laughs> so, well, I'll just keep it to a, a punk rock musical about it and, and move on. Well, the, what was the, was the... I thought it was something to do with The Clash. Well, the also, the, why the punk rock musical? Because the 101ers was the band Joe Strummer was in before he was in The Clash. So it's trying, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to do a punk rock musical about the R101 in a kind of Joe Strummer style. Um, and I've bought an electric guitar, which is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a step. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like uh, Soren, uh, no, Schopenhauer said, it would be all very well to buy books if one could also buy the time to read them in. And uh, the same applies to the electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, you don't just put it on and it works. <laughs> uh, but it, it makes a hell of a racket, and, um, and that, that will do. And then it does make the rest of the show a relief. 
<laughs> opening 10 but to 7 minutes that's uh, what Edinburgh's all I mean you've done some you know crazy stuff crazy know, crazy yeah. you you had a, the bucket on your head mm. this, you were, the, the bucket was that, that was the bucket head that was the character was it called well, bucket head uh, it started off as a just a sort of 10 minute bit you know yeah. a show I did, did here which was um, I just well, I just found it very, well I started playing the bucket because I was playing the bucket I was playing the harmonica um, as a sort of giving up smoking aid because uh, you know I'll just show you like Suck in, blow out, instead of getting cancer, get a note. <laughs> I've discovered harmonica players are actually less welcome than smokers at most restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, my friend Andrew Bailey, who suggested when you're playing harmonica, just practice, put a bucket on, and you hear the sound back, and it, it helps you. So both the two of us would be walking around <laughs> Edinburgh with our harmonicas. And I thought, this is quite a sort of strange thing to be wearing. What's it like? So I, I, I wrote a little act for it. I'd walk on, wearing a bucket, and say, good evening, nice to be here, I imagine. <laughs> and that went all right. And the next year, I turned it into a, uh, a play mm. uh, with um, uh, various different Buckethead people being. It was like set in the future where the <laughs> craze of Buckethead, the bucket wearing, had taken over. And then I turned it into a one man play, and then I stopped doing it. Uh, I, I, did it I did it once at a gig in Birmingham, and Thursday night was all right. Friday night, for some reason, I don't know what it is about Birmingham on a Friday night, but I didn't get anywhere near the mic. I was saying, please welcome Simon Bunnery. And I started wearing my bucket. I was walking towards the mic. Well, I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, even before I got there, people were going, fire, there was all this heckling. I was being heckled. And I'd never been heckled wearing a bucket. And uh, the thing about it is you don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> and you can't really hear it that well either. Yeah. And, and I knew that I'd only got 10 minutes of, of bucket-based material and then I'd be taking the bucket off. Uh, but anyway, they're just shouting abuse at me, abuse. And uh, I think the only laugh I got, well, I didn't get, but someone in the audience got was uh, shouting, are you from faking it? Which was a, a TV programme at the time I hadn't even seen. <laughs> anyway, but, so I'm, I'm trying to just trying to do, to do my bucket-based material, knowing that in 10 minutes I'll be taking the bucket off and that won't... Um, go, oh, he's human, that's all right. <laughs> no, I just took it off and it was even worse. It was, fuck off, make me laugh. Tell us a joke. So, you know, so someone's like, make me laugh. You can't make someone laugh. It's, you wouldn't go up to a surgeon and go, make me well. <laughs> well <laughs> you could have tried tickling him. It might have, tickling may have worked in that. It may have gone one way or the other. I stood Tick. my ground. I did my time. Just abuse, <laughs> abuse, abuse. Got off and I thought, well, I better get out of here before the interval. So uh, I was at the bar, I had a quick drink. I went, oh, I'll get to the, back to the dressing room, get my bag and get out. So I'm, I'm trying to creep back to the dressing room and this bloke blocks my path and right in my face goes, you're shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just looked at him and he went, aren't you going to react then? Who <laughs> 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 even obliged to react? Uh, you know, so that sort of trauma. So I find if I, if I get a really bad gig, it doesn't happen for, you know, every four or five years, a yeah. really bad gig where you, you just hate, you just, if you're filled with anger. And I've got a slow temper, but it, 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 I just lose it for ages. I was just sitting backstage. I was the last person to leave. Couldn't, couldn't leave the room. I find so. Um, hopefully, this will go all right. I'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone told me back. Someone I can't remember who it was. Someone was telling me in the b backstage here that he remembers you with a bucket on your head with Chris, who's on the desk here. You, he's a voice you hear at the start. You were asking him to uh, make the eye holes bigger in the bucket, but you were wearing the bucket, and he was drilling. <laughs> 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 he was, is that true? 
print the myth. Because <laughs> <Is that laughs> I, I said What's to him, isn't that? It's from The Simpsons. That happens in The Simpsons. And then he goes, he goes, go on, go on, go on, too far, too far. He gets a bucket stuck on his head in The, in the Simpsons. They may have ripped it off from you no. with glue. <laughs> and then he then he gets eye holes drawn in. But I, don't, I wondered if I that was... Do you remember I that? It didn't. I, I mean, I, I know you're, you're fairly insane. Do you remember that, Chris? Never happened. Oh, that's a shame. Let's pretend to, it happened. I used to think we'd come on uh, wearing a huge paper bag and get, get the audience to go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then I'd try and punch my way out, <laughs> out of the paper and that would fail. And then uh, I'd go, Chris, Chris. <laughs> and Chris would come and spray water on it. <laughs> uh, 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 and I finally managed to punch my way out. And then just all triumphant dance. And, uh, and they said I couldn't do it. Uh, and it's not even, uh, it's real, it's wet. Anyway, yeah, punch so it's out. And anyway. it's been this has been said, but it's there was there's a quote that said, you know, it is you're doing stuff that's sort of like modern art, and you've worked with Banksy, but someone somebody in a quote saying your comedy was as close as art to, as you could get. Is that I, right? I got, it was in the Scotsman. It was Kate Cox. It said, uh, "Show as close uh, close as comedy gets to modern art." Yeah. And I used to do a bit of a show where I'd have um, a, I go now a Venn diagram, and it was a, a picture of a Venn diagram. Uh, and it was uh, two circles overlapping, and it said uh, overlapping circles, diagrams, and Venn diagrams. <laughs> and I go, it's, it's it's unique among Venn diagrams. <laughs> this Venn diagram tells you what a Venn diagram is. <laughs> of course, if you don't know what a Venn diagram is, this won't help you. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, but, the, uh, but to, to say that my show, so I used to talk about this review that the show was uh, closest comedy gets to modern art, which sort of implies that comedy can't be art. That, uh, that the situation isn't this with like two <laughs> circles overlapping. Uh, the situation isn't this. And I turn around the card, but this and two circles just next to each other. Uh, and I go, uh, I know what you're thinking. But <laughs> <laughs> well, my show was the closest comedy gets to, it, to my modern art. So mine was just right on the edge. Right on the edge, all, you know, right on the edge of comedy, almost not comedy at all. <laughs> uh, a, a long way from the middle, like funny comedy, <laughs> almost not comedy, but not art. <laughs> right, right on the cleavage. <laughs> and even I said, even if I made that leap, that impossible leap, even if I made that leap into art, what category of art would I be in? I'd be in the category of shit art, <laughs> art that is perilously near being comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Very good. So, how did you did you you've done you've worked with Banksy then the, the well, controversial? I'm not sure. You don't know. You met him. He's a mysterious fella. <laughs> if it is him, he's been using yeah. some of your aphorisms. He's he's uh, sprayed some of my lyrics on walls as he yeah. puts it. That's it. That. Uh, did you, did you, did you get more. to? I did. I did get to. I tell you what, I did get to do. I was got, got to be his lawyer um, in, <laughs> in LA. He says, "You want to come and be my press spokesman?" I said, "Oh, you know what? what, what, what well, what do you want to do?" So I bought a suit. I said, oh, "I'm Morris Chutney, his lawyer." <laughs> so I was in a hotel in uh, on um, uh, what's it called? Hollywood uh, <laughs> Roosevelt Hotel on, on Sunset Boulevard, oh. well, anyway, the main street. <laughs> One of them. I don't know. I don't really know Hollywood. Uh, anyway, it was a big, big place with pool, and I was uh, so I had a suit. I got it all worked out. I'm Morris Chutney. I'm a lawyer. Anyway, uh, so I got the, I'm doing these back-to-back -back media interviews, uh, and basically my job was just back back the questions. They ask you a question, ask them a question back. Don't tell them anything. That was my job. It's quite fun. Uh, they, uh, so the, the first question was, "Could you say your name for the record?" I said, no, "My name is Morris Chutney. I'm a lawyer." On, on behalf of Max. <laughs> she said, "Your name's Simon." 
I went, oh, yeah, it is, yeah. That, that was why you never got to be Borat in America. It was, it was between you, you and Sasha Baron Cohen. Bluff skills. But it was quite, it was great fun. You know the, the exhibition, all the. Do you uh, know what he looks like in real life? Have you met his? Have you seen his actual face? Well, if it is him, you know, you don't know. Yeah, it could be a hundred. He's always in the shade. Yeah, you don't know his image. Contacts you in the dark and that, and um, wears masks. So no, I don't hear. Yeah. yeah, I'm asking all of my guests this, Simon. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you may have heard this question from backstage as you're on afterwards. What would it take for you to fellate the actor Keith Allen? What would you need? <laughs> what would you need in return to carry out that sexual act upon <laughs> the actor Keith Allen? I'd have to be in some some deep state of despair, <laughs> <laughs> or drunk. <laughs> or, no, it's probably a gram. A, a gram. Uh, <laughs> Half, half, half a jar of Nescafe. <laughs> so every day I'm looking back at Edinburgh memories as well. But if you've got a favourite Edinburgh memory, I forgot to tell you about this, but I'm sure you have. But I'll, I'll do one oh, first oh, and give you time to think of, think of one. Um, but uh, I'm now at the year 2000 and something. Uh, 2003, I think. Yeah, 2003. No, it is 2011 now. Thanks for the help. <laughs> it's been a long month. People forget. Yeah. Uh, no you Richard. What, I don't know what day it is, but I, do, I think I know it's two. But 2003, I didn't come up to... I didn't do an... I did come up to Edinburgh, but I didn't do a show. I came up for a week. Uh, I was doing Talking Cock had gone well the year before, and I was doing another year of Talking Cock. I was going to take... I was writing a book of it and, uh, and still touring it. Uh, around the world, it was amazing. Show it was all about penises. It's amazing, amazing. I'm just amazed more comedians haven't thought of covering that subject. Uh, but um, <laughs> but I did come up to Edinburgh. The things I remember about that year were on the way. I went on two holidays with my family, which is very rare. I went to uh, Devon with my sister's family, and uh, I played my nephew. My nephew was about 15 then. I was playing him at backgammon for money. Uh, and winning loads of money off of him because <laughs> he could because he was an idiot. Uh, and uh, but we were sitting on the beach and it was really foggy, yeah. like complete just dense fog on the beach. So we we're just sitting there and not thinking anything of it. But of course the sun can come through the fog. So I was just sitting in one position, played backgammon for about two hours, and got this amazing sunburn on my leg where my my the skin on my leg became plasticated. Uh, it was really in fun when it got like that. You could pick it up, but it was really painful. So that happened. And then I went to the, the Lake District with my brother and my mum and dad and, and my brother's daughter, who was about uh, 13 at the time. And we went walking. And I was walking on the hills really in pain with this leg. And then uh, a goat uh, sort of started charging towards us with its, you know, with its horns down running at us. And I went, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. And I was worried about that because my niece was quite young, but she was half French, so I thought I could get away with that meaning something else. But then I used my niece as a human shield. <laughs> when I actually got, I got behind my... <laughs> it's the only time I've been in peril in my life. <laughs> I got behind my 13-year-old niece, and then it turned out that it was just that it wasn't going to come for us anyway, and it went and ran against a fence. So I'd shown my true cowardice. <laughs> but, you know, I... I've got three, four nephews and nieces, so I could lose one, right? And then that's yeah. more important. I haven't yet procreated, so it seems oh, fair. Oh, yeah, yeah. You it seems fair that I use one of them as a shit, shield to... Because it might have got me right in the nuts, which you, you, you could talk about. But uh, so that was... So I came up to Edinburgh and just... Had, I was quite depressed that year. And I had a... Had a, had a <laughs> right. Had, 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 yeah. <laughs> I tried I'm to, a cunt. I tried to kill my knees. <laughs> my skin was peeling off. I was like the, I was like, uh, the singing detective, but only my leg. <laughs> 
<laughs> they couldn't do a sh- couldn't write a play about that, could you? The man with the singing detective leg. That oh, is not. I'm off. Well, <laughs> you could I'll do like it. a challenge. Singing. But I don't remember much about the actual. I came up and I was going to sleep on the floor of uh, Craig Campbell's uh, flat. With he was with Dan Antipolsky and Jane, and uh, and I slept in there for one day, and, it, and they were, their their kids were in there as well in the room, and uh, they kind of said, "You can sleep in there, but you have to leave our kids alone." <laughs> and I thought. <laughs> Is my reputation that bad? <laughs> and clearly it was. Do so I go, oh, look, shields. Had <laughs> <laughs> so, them round. <laughs> <laughs> no go attacks. But then I stayed in posh hotels for a few days and got drunk, and uh, it was awful. What's your fault? That was that's 2003. I can't get, you know, it starts to get better. If you stay right to the end, about the last two or three years have been quite nice in Edinburgh. But every year <laughs> up until about 2008 was pretty fucking shit. Uh, so uh, have you got a favourite memory of all your 24 Edinburghs? Oh, not really. Uh, I think that's something I remember. Uh, queuing for the Penny Black at 6am once and uh, a bloke in the queue behind me went, were you on stage earlier? Uh, and I went, uh, yeah. He went, uh, you're all right. <laughs> Never mind. Four staff, I some of you to permission to live <laughs> from a bloke in the queue for the Penny Black is as much as you can hope for. You've been in a few di- dicey situations though. You did get into an argument with that was in the papers. This was the year I wasn't up. It was about 1980. Was it 89? The year you got yeah, into an argument with uh, or 88 where you got into an argument with Jeremy Hardy who oh, took yeah. a. Took a because which is like an unlikely person <laughs> to be to become so furious with that you want to fight the fight did you did you actually come to blows with Jeremy it, Hardy? it very nearly came to blows it was uh, it was quite unpleasant we um, we started graffitiing his posters we were my uh, double act we kind of uh, just got drunk and used to go around we found Jeremy Hardy particularly annoying he used to graffiti on his posters you're a middle 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 class fart why don't you flush yourself down the toilet <laughs> you're sincerely god and jesus <laughs> and, uh, oh, it was stupid but anyway we then we started getting death threats um, in the middle of the night and you know we were told skint video going to beat you up and all, all there was a lot of rumors <laughs> flying around and uh, but that just inflamed us even more and uh, various people rang, you know there was a lot of uh, we were withdrawn from a benefit and it was written up in the Guardian that we were fascists and had withdrawn because we didn't believe in charity. That why we'd got offered to do the benefit in the first place. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> no, not helping, hurting. <laughs> uh, anyway, so but it was written up like, like we were withdrawn. But basically we were thrown off it because Jeremy Hardy wouldn't appear on the same stage. But it all, all, and it ended up a gilded balloon, the old gilded balloon. Uh, one night, and he was at the other side of the dance floor, and I had my marker pen, and I was just waving at him. And I, went <laughs> <laughs> I went out. Went out and graffitied his poster again, just opposite the old balloon. And someone came out in a leather jacket. And I thought, here we go, I'm gonna get smacked. But he just—he came over very slowly and sort of shook my hand <laughs> and, and went off. And then loads of people came out. And then Jeremy Hardy was there, and there was my uh, Steve Cheek, my double act partner. We were just standing there, and Jeremy Hardy was getting really, really angry. And then he, he started rolling up his sleeves in a traditional <laughs> 1930s <laughs> style. And he was about to smack us, but we didn't know who was on whose side. We didn't know most of these people. We just—we thought we were going to get beaten up. Uh, but he, he was going to hit us or something, you know, with what strength he had. But he, as he pulled his arm back, a police car arrived behind him. Policeman came out because he had his arm back. He got, the policeman grabbed him, and then Jeremy made the mistake of going. <laughs> he was taken away. <laughs> anyway, we, we, we made up since it's all, all people oh, walked nice. under the bridge. It's a bit like the. Uh, there's all these little rivalries because it's a bit like the uh, the cunt and the gang. 
uh, putting cocks on everyone's posters, I suppose. I suppose it is like yeah, that. So we, we used, used you know, handwritten rather than... Handwritten, <laughs> directed, <laughs> handwritten. Yeah. And Very signed. specific. <laughs> and you were both quite middle class yourself, surely. Oh, yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was an exchange of correspondence, I remember. But anyway, it, it was... Yeah, it was an, un- an unpleasant memory. Yeah. So, do you ever, would you ever get back together with Steve Cheek and do the double act again, or we should maybe do a, a game up to do a show? Where we can do. I can do some of the sketches I did with him at school, and yeah. you can do God, God and Jesus. Yeah. He's a respectable kind he's of a, professor. He's a lecturer, lecturer at Bristol University. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to. Uh, live he tries down to play. I mention him quite a lot, and yeah. uh, quite I don't often. think he likes. I don't that, think he does, but it's he's, it's kind of revenge. He's, he's Doctor. <laughs> he is. <laughs> A yeah. lot of his students come and go, is it email and go, is that the same Steve Cheek? Yeah. I go, yep, that's him. Yeah. Do you want to see a picture of him with a paper bag with a, from a wine shop on his head <laughs> in a tent? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's quite, you know, it's kind of a subtle form of revenge. Uh, so <laughs> you're not going to get back to you, don't Because in a you way, in a way, he's probably got more influence over British comedy than anyone who isn't a comedian. I would say, don't you think? Because I think the stuff well, you've done, we're, we're overestimating our own. No, I think the stuff you not so much, but you, he's definitely fed into the stuff you've done. He's done. It's fed into the stuff that me and yeah. Stu have done. So they, they, they their Stu's the stuff that Stu is doing is probably influenced by one generation from Steve Cheek. So in, yeah. in a way, someone should write a book and about he, that and just. And the front cover can be a picture of him with a, with a bag on his head, ripping a tent in. You're going to write that. I, book, right? write <laughs> I often think about writing a play about the dumb show or something like that because it's kind of an interest. That it, it feels like those, you know, those given that in, that's 1992, whatever, and all those people not yet stars, and oh, then some of them go off and be massive Hollywood stars. Some of them go off and be, you know. You and me. Uh, and I was, when, when I started out, I always imagined you start off on the fringe and eventually graduate to the main festival. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not no, how it still, works. We're still here. Surely if you do long enough, <laughs> you know, they put you in the playhouse. No. <laughs> no. Do you uh, remember anything about the dumb show? Yes, remember? I remember it was you and Stu were kind of a double act. You used to write together. Marvel and Coogan were kind of a double act, and I was in the middle. Yeah. And uh, not in any um, grouping. And there were a lot of arguments. I remember <laughs> a very tense atmosphere. It was horrible, um, wasn't it? My main, well, my memory of it is uh, coming down, and um, it was me, Patrick Marvel, and Coogan having porridge in a cafe. At, uh, and we'd driven 100 yards because it was pouring with rain in my silver Cortina that <laughs> was parked outside and suddenly Coogan just, just goes, goes forward boom, into his porridge uh, just his face in the porridge and we just laughed because it was quite a funny <laughs> thing to do and, and he starts going oh, oh and I don't know, what, what, what is it he's saying, I'm having a heart attack <laughs> oh yeah very good yeah. oh no I'm having a heart get me out of him oh right so we're still laughing, but uh, <laughs> the thing is, he became quite actory. It, it wasn't convincing. It was it seemed quite a ham. <laughs> I'm having a heart attack. It's like when Alan Partridge is being strangled in the ring. Like, oh, it. it was like that kind of thing. So we, we got him. So it was too, you know, it was too much hurry to get an ambulance. So we got him in the car, my car. And he got in the back, and um, Marvel was in the front. We drove, and he was. And we're going down. And he said, "Go, go through the lights." So we went the wrong way down a one-way street to race to get him to the hospital. And um, eventually they, they got him in there, and um, uh, it turned out it was, uh, it was, it was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they, they put him in a dark room for a few hours. Until it, was, it, was, it was drugs related. It was drugs related. Was, I said I, I did mention I didn't know that part of the story, but I did it mention was. in a previous one of these where I said he'd uh, drunk too much lager through his nose. 
Yeah. It's what, it's what, uh, it's what, how I described it. I think that's legally. Uh, you're a lawyer, obviously, so uh, I believe uh, Morris Chutney. So you can let me know whether I've got away with that. <laughs> Susan Coleman, who was it, also a lawyer, he was persuaded though to do the dumb show. I mean, he was yeah. trying to pull the dumb show, yeah. but um, uh, an agent known to both of us, <laughs> yes. a powerful man, in the uh, went and threatened to reveal to the press why he was in the hospital <laughs> if he didn't do the show. So he arrived in the courtyard. And went, oh, Steve, you're back. Great, great. Uh, the, first, the first thing I said to him is, have you got any left then? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, presumably you're off it now. <laughs> it was lovely stuff. Really. Imagine, imagine if he died. That, imagine if he drowned in his porridge. <laughs> How different the world of comedy would have been. Yeah. No, not that different. No, <laughs> So look, we're going to take a little break while we have uh, a fantastic comedian on. He was the first um, poster I saw as I came into Edinburgh. So I thought, wow, he's going to be—he's going to be big this year. He's yeah, the whole town. It's right on the outskirts of town, but I think he may just have paid for the poster sites right on the outskirts of town. Now he has got loads over. Sorry, he's a fantastic <laughs> comedian, and you're going to really love him. He's been coming up for a long time as well, for years. Which you wouldn't think to look at him because he still looks. Like he's 12 years old, but he's not. Oh, I'm ruining everything for him. Well, this is the worst introduction ever. I'm putting on people who are really good. You're going to really love him. Will you please welcome Matt Green, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Green. Hello. How are we doing? Are you all right? Good. Hi. Uh, my name is Matt. As Richard said, I'm not 12. Don't worry. Uh, I haven't got time to deal with that, but I'm not. I'm 32. So, yes, that means nothing to people on the podcast. Hello. Um, so it's good to be here in the stand. This is one of my favourite venues in the world. And I've done a number of weird venues this year. Like about three or four months ago, I got asked to do a show for Prince Charles. Which, mm, yeah, I know. Not one-on-one, by the way. <laughs> no, it wasn't like a private show. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, Camilla's out of town, get in Matt Green. <laughs> that didn't happen. Don't worry, that's not... It was a charity gig, right? But it was at Clarence House, where he lives. Now, I've never done a show at a palace before. I was quite excited. I rang up. I was like, what do I have to do? Is there a dress code? And the guy on the phone said, no, there's no dress code. Although, you know, do wear a top. <laughs> I fear that royal standards may be slipping. If Clarence House has the same dress code as Weatherspoons. <laughs> and also, crucially, no mention of bottoms there, was there? <laughs> It's quite tempting to turn up wearing nothing but a vest. Yeah, say hello to my Duke of Cambridge. I don't know if that was in Talking Cock, I've no idea. Um, so, uh, so yes, uh, that, was, that was a weird gig. I did a uh, weird gig in a church soon after. That's quite a strange experience being in a church doing comedy. I've worked out, I don't like churches, because to get into most of them, you have to go through a graveyard, don't you? And I just think, what other place of business would surround itself with the corpses of previous customers? <laughs> Think about it, you wouldn't have that at Tesco, would you? <laughs> Hello, sir, welcome to Tesco. There are the trolleys, and over here we've got the Club Card Memorial Garden. Because <laughs> remember our slogan, every little helps, <laughs> and everybody dies. <laughs> uh, actually, talking about supermarkets, I was recently in my local branch of Marks and Spencers, because, you know, I'm doing all right. And, uh, yeah, I've got massive posters, apparently. <laughs> I was trying to buy some frozen peas. Now, you think that'd be easy. I was leaning over into a freezer, trying to get the peas. As I leant over, I suddenly became aware of two small children over here somewhere. They're about five or six, brother and sister, I think. As I leant over, I heard the boy say to the girl, Hey, let's go over to that lady. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, they're clearly not talking about me. <laughs> but they were. They were. <laughs> And I know they were, because they were right up, and they stood right next to me, looking at me quite intently. I was still drinking the peas over here, right? And then I heard the girl say to the boy, that's not a lady, that's a gentleman. 
I thought, am I living in a Victorian novel? I know it's M&S, what the fuck is going on, right? But the boy then shot straight back and said, well, it looks like a lady to me. That moment, I leaned out of the freezer, I turned towards him to my peas in my basket. As I turned towards him, this is genuinely true, the boy shouted out, well, whatever it is, it's after us. Yeah, and then they ran away. That is a true story from my life. So, uh, so my show this year is called Too Much Information and it's about distraction and stuff and I think one of the key obvious things we get distracted by easily are our mobile phones. We've all got phones in here. Kevin, down, are, you, are you Kevin down here, the insurance man? Have you got some sort of phone? What kind of phone have you got, Kevin? Uh, Samsung. Samsung, ah, oh, one of the less market leader ones, yeah. <laughs> Do we have iPhones in the room? Give me a cheer after three, one, two, three. Yay. Just this section. How about Blackberries, one, two, three. <laughs> okay, people with jobs or rioters. Anyway. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? It's weird how their image has changed. Because like two weeks ago, if you said Blackberry, you'd think man in suit. Now you think kid in hoodie. Smashing up JD Sports. But the thing I don't, I don't know about you, Kevin, the thing I don't like about these smartphones is the way that people start checking their email in the middle of a conversation with you. You know you'd be having a nice chat about actuarialism or insurance or something, and then <laughs> as you're having a chat slowly, the iPhone or the Blackberry will come out of their pocket, won't it? And it'll start moving into their field of vision. And before you know it, they started checking their email, checking their email, Facebooking, maybe tweeting or something. I think it's so rude, isn't it? It would never happen before these things were invented. You wouldn't do that with your post. <laughs> you, you wouldn't take a stack of letters to the pub. <laughs> just in case your friend was going to be boring that day. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin, just go some mail, actually. Oh, Bill, 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 Bill. Oh, it's from my dad, I better reply. Mm. Mm. Pen and paper. Mm. Keep talking. Mm. Uh. That was me licking an envelope there. It's a visual joke for the podcast, yeah. Some people in the room had no idea what that was. That was fascinating, particularly the younger people. Because no one, no one writes letters anymore, do they? When I was a kid, I used to. I remember the other day, I used to play correspondence chess. When I, yeah, I used to send my uncle a chess move in the post, and he would send one back to me in the post. I know. People used to do this. I used to do this. <laughs> I am a person, fuck you, right? No one does that anymore. No one plays correspondence Call of Duty. Postcard Angry Birds. It just wouldn't work. That's the thing. So I haven't got very long tonight, but uh, before, I, uh, before I leave, I just want to give you a little insight into my relationship. I am in a relationship at the moment, sorry, ladies. We've, uh, we've been together, fuck off, we've been together um, 12 years, 12 years, long time, yes. Uh, I've had sex and everything, yes. A, uh, a number of times. <laughs> Eight. But, um, but no, we've been together a while, and I realised just how long our relationship has been, because we spent the entire night recently in sodden sheets, right, because our hot water bottle had burst, but we both thought the other one had wet the bed. <laughs> Waiting for the other one to admit to it and deal with it. Because that's the rule, isn't it? You know, all the couples know that's the rule, yeah? If you do it, you deal with it, yeah? And I was lying there feeling pretty smug. <laughs> Because it had never been her before. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been absolutely lovely. Uh, my show is called Too Much Information. It's 8.30 in the Pleasance Courtyard. Please come along. I've been Matt. I'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Good night. Matt Green, ladies and gentlemen. Pretty good, huh? Go and see his show. Here comes Simon Murray's back. Right, we're going to do... Um, we've got a competition to end with. 
Today is sponsored by a different uh, company. I've got more wine vouchers, but you might be disappointed to hear I'm not going to give those out today. Uh, today, <laughs> I'm giving out... When you hear the price, you might be disappointed, but you might be very excited. What I have is a 25 euro... Uh, yeah. <laughs> coupon. I think it's I, I think it's, a, it's to use on the internet. Thank you, Simon. I nearly caught it. Uh, from, uh, it's from the On The Other Hand, which is a website... Uh, the bright, the right place for the left-handed, it's called. So you can buy... On this website, you can buy... Uh, so that one in ten people in this audience are getting very excited now. You can buy 25 euros worth of, uh, like... Yeah, sort of, you know, yeah, knives and stuff. And uh, are you excited about that? Or if you've got a left-handed friend, and you should never be friends with them. There's something sinister about them. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, there's a little Latin joke there for <laughs> some of the... Cl- Did you hear the man who went, ha! at that joke because he thought he was clever. But I, was d- I actually put it in to trick him to m- to so he would reveal himself and I would know he was an idiot. Uh, for finding that amusing. If you want to go to... If you are left-handed or know someone who is afflicted with this terrible... <laughs> illness uh, go to either try just tying their, their left hand behind their back and make them use the right hand that's what I do if I ever have one of these children uh, but <laughs> otherwise go to www.ontheotherhand.ie ah which you put in that might be why it's in euros eh is that in Ireland IE yeah, well, some experts in. <laughs> going to do it. Looks like you're going to do quite well. And also you can win some tickets to see uh, Roe Campbell and also Steve Gribbin, who is going to be a guest uh, on Tuesday, doing the stand-up slot on Tuesday here. Uh, so that's fantastic. And there'll be some to go out. You, you might get some free fellas for joining in. So that's what you get. Uh, and uh, thanks to uh, James Gogarty. I guess he's left-handed who sent, who sent in the... Um, <laughs> I thought he was joking because it said, I'm a long-time fan of your work and podcast and love to offer you a voucher to give us a prize on your Edinburgh Fringe podcast. I'd love to offer them, but I'm a new company starting out, just opened last week. So I thought, I thought it was a joke saying he wasn't going to offer any, but I just slightly misread it. Anyway, that's, what, that was the, that's the story of that. Anyway, they're complete as it occurs to me and, uh, and a 25 euros worth of left-handed products. But I reckon he'll get you in there and you'll go, oh, I quite fancy that as well. You'll end up spending a bit more and James Gogger to be laughing up his left-handed sleeve. Uh, so, um, which sleeve does he laugh up, I wonder? Uh, so we, got, we, we need you all to stand up and people who are already standing, you just have to uh, self-adjudicate. Uh, so everyone stand up. We're going to make some statements that may be true or false. If you think they're true, put your hands on your head. If you think they're false, put your hands on your bottom, the seat of all falsehood. And uh, if you get it wrong, you have to sit down. And there is no law in this room, so if anyone lies, they will be punched in the face <laughs> by the person next to them. So be honest. Uh, the first statement, true or false, I was just on the internet, uh, looking at the internet on um, as uh, Matt was on, and the sad news has been revealed <laughs> that um, the newsreader, Kenneth Kendall, who uh, was in Treasure Hunt, he has sadly died during this morning. So if you think that's true, put your hands on your head. Put your hand. If you think it's false, put your hands on your bottom. Um, most, a lot of people going for false on that one. You could win this with the true. It is false, yeah. I do that one most days. So uh, that's... If you listen, sit down if you say false. I just one day you'll die though, Simon, and then uh, then I'm gonna fucking we right down to nothing. I might kill him tomorrow. I might poison Kenneth Kendall. Uh, right. So have you got a, a statement that's either true or false? Okay. Uh, Christopher uh, Birdwood Thompson, or Lord Thompson of Cardington, the Secretary of State for Air and uh, founder of the R101 Airship Program, uh, was in love with a Hungarian princess. 
that true or false? Wow, a lot of lot of people going for true there. Some there's some falses coming in there. What's the answer? It's false. She it, was Romanian. She was Romanian. Well done. You tricked them. Like they believed there was a very believable lie. <laughs> a lot of people thought they knew about the uh, <laughs> 101. <laughs> don't don't choose that as your celebrity mastermind. Uh, so I'm now gonna. That's gonna be my fucking dream. I'll be dreaming about that. <laughs> that being my right. My next one is um, Steve Coogan. Uh, when he when he was went to hospital, he was uh, suffering from low blood sugar, and that is what it wasn't a heart attack. It was low blood sugar. Is that true or false? Uh, it's, that's true, is it? Right, that's that's, that is true. That is true. So sit down. If you said false, that is a true fact. Have you got another one? Yes, uh, the Secretary of State for Air. Make me closer. When he boarded the R101 airship, they had. It was very important that they kept their luggage to a minimum and everyone bought about 30 pounds of luggage, pounds weight. Uh, he bought 264 pounds, <laughs> including a 120 pound uh, Persian carpet. Which no one knew where to put it, so they stored it at the front. Is that true or false? It'd be amazing to have made that up, but you remember he could just have sneakily changed one detail. I'm going for false cleverly because he's knows a lot of truths. What is it? True. It is true, true. so not so clever after all. <laughs> Who's still in at the back? Anyone still in at the back, or are we just down to these four? Have you, if you come a bit forward if you're still in. Um, you excited about it being in still? Yeah, very, very excited. You, oh, you're left handed. <laughs> it's a lot to play for. <laughs> um, left handed people are all dicks, true or false? <laughs> It, it, it's false. They are. My dad's left-handed and he's very cool. So sit down. If you said true, that was you give. I think they may, they may have just gifted it to you. Is anyone left out? Anyone else left in? Fantastic. You won. So what's your name, sir? Ian. Ian. He's called Ian as well. Yes. You have to use it by the end of September. So, uh, as it occurs to me, the complete pumpkin only available from GoFasterStripe.com. Uh, two tickets for Steve Gribbin. Have you, got a friend, have you got a friend to take with you? Two tickets to Roe Campbell. There you go. Look at that. Um, Steve Gribben. You can go see Steve Gribben, fellas. You two together. Try and get a friend who's as nerdy as you, though. Uh, uh, we'll give out. We'll just give these out random. We haven't talked to many guys. So you can go see Steve Gribben if you like. No. You're fully booked. No, thanks. I'm fully booked. <laughs> you have to do that. Just, just take it and be nice. No, no thanks. I don't... <laughs> Could have sold those on the street. We like to go see Steve Gribben. Oh, fucking hell, I'm not going to start. <laughs> We'd like to go. We'd like some free fucking tickets to go and see some brilliant comedians at the stand. Uh, someone put their hand up there, and uh, that lady there I see. So hand those back to that lady there. who's going to see Roe Campbell. Uh, that's fantastic. We've done all our time. So will you please give it up to the incredible Simon Munnery? He's on at the stand. Yeah. He's on here after this. Yeah. Stay and see his whole show at 22:4. Yeah. And uh, I also saw Matt Green, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Rich Terring. What is love anyway? Tomorrow, I haven't booked anyone yet. It could be Stuart Lee tomorrow. Who knows? Come and see it. See ya. Thank you. Bye.